Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. You can be seated. Good morning, Thrive Church. Uh, let me just say, Eden Val said good morning a lot louder than you just did there. Good morning, Thrive Church. Wonderful. So good to be here. And uh, what an absolute privilege and honor to be here on my birthday. I am now officially 26 years old. That was not nice of you to laugh. 46 years old today. Can you believe it? 46 years old. And uh, I'm grateful to have had 46 years, and I'm believing for at least another 46 years. And I just want to thank you all for having me. Thank you to Pastor Byron and Candice, Pastor Stephen, Kathy, and your incredible team. And uh, it's a real privilege and honor for me to be here today. And I've been here a couple of times before, but I haven't, in fact, the last time I was here, you were only one campus with two services. Now you are two campuses with four services. Aren't you grateful for the days we live in? Aren't you grateful for the growth, the life, the health? God is doing something. What he's doing is not normal. You can walk in here each weekend and think, oh, this is normal. No, it's not normal. There is life in this place. There is health. There is growth. And if you are visiting here for the very first time today, I'm about to make your life simpler. You don't have to visit any other churches. You have found home today. Come on, I believe that. I really believe that. This is a place where you will grow, you will be stretched, but you will be loved. Your family will be looked after. You will be cared for, and they will help you find your purpose in life. And so you don't have to go looking anywhere else. You found what you've been looking for. Isn't it great that we've got a conference coming up soon? 12 Days Still Thrive Conference. And I love the theme, it's time. And I really believe it's time for, for the men and women and the young people in this church to now step into the next season and going to be celebrating, obviously, the past 25 years. And, you know, it's good that we celebrate. It's good that we look back. But the only reason we need to look back is so that we can keep looking forward. And I really believe that everything that has happened in the 25 years is, is really just been preparation for everything that's God, that God's going to do in the next season. So whatever you need to do, register for Thrive Conference. It's going to be life-changing, and you don't want to be that one person who wasn't there and you hear from everyone else how awesome it was, make sure you register straight after the service today. Let me just introduce my family to you quickly, because I love my family. That's, my, that's me in the middle there, by the way. And uh, that's my gorgeous wife, Yannette. She is gorgeous. And uh, the problem is when you marry such a gorgeous woman, you, you, know, you keep having children because you can't keep your hands off her, and it's like, you know, it's a... It's a burden I've had to carry through life, but nonetheless, and our four kids there, the two bigger boys are actually twins. You'd never know they were twins, but they are twins, James and Daniel. They'll be 13 in a week's time. We'll have two teenagers for the very first time. Jude's eight, Abigail's five, and uh, really grateful for our family. Our church family is doing well as well. We run five services on a weekend now in Durban North. We got Saturday night, Sunday night, and then three in the morning. And just last weekend with Easter, we had 10 services, 10 Easter services. And uh, at the end of it, I was finished. I was done. They had to carry me out there. But, but thank God for the salvations. Thank God for the people who came. And I know on your campuses as well, you had many people give their hearts to Jesus over Easter. 
And uh, you know, I feel like we need to just give the Lord a shout of praise for what He's doing. Can we do that? Amen. Just brought a couple of resources along as well. And uh, the first one I want to just mention is a 366-day daily devotional. And I wrote this for a simple reason. I think they'll come up on the screen in a moment. Uh, I think the biggest challenge we face in the church across the world today is that people are Bible illiterate. People don't know what the Bible says because they don't read the Bible. And as a result, they live in a way, not intentionally, but that contradicts God's best for themselves because we don't know how to live. And so that was really written just to give encouragement for each day of the year. But it's also got a reading plan in there that allows you not just to read the Bible through in one year, but to read the Bible in chronological order. Old and New Testament combined. Because sometimes what happens, you open the Bible, you get to all those prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and you think, what is this guy going on about? But when you read him in context to the events that took place in Scripture, all of a sudden you understand the context of what is being said. And so I think that would really help a couple of you. And then uh, another book I wrote called Finding Your Purpose in Life. I'm passionate about helping people find purpose. Because so many of us will get to the end of our lives one day, having done a lot, having maybe made a lot of money, but never actually done the thing for which God put you on earth to do. And uh, many people live with no meaning to their lives. The day you discover your purpose, everything changes for you. Because now you begin to focus on doing what you should be doing, and you don't waste any time on the things that you shouldn't be doing. And so we got some of those available afterwards, and I'll be glad to sign some books in, in, the re, in the foyer afterwards and say hi to you, and I'd encourage you to, to grab one of those. Then tonight, everyone say tonight. tonight. Tonight, you need to be back. I know some of you are going to visit uncle and auntie and granny. You need to tell granny, sorry, granny, I'm going to see you next week. Tonight, we're going to be speaking on relationships. You know, relationships are the source of all problems in the world. When relationships break down, there's always issues. And so we're going to speak into that this evening. I think it's going to be a fantastic night. There's a whole lot of the crew from Edenville coming through this evening. And we'd strongly encourage you to come along, bring someone to church, and we're going to have a great night tonight. Now, before we go to the Word, I want to just show you something on the screen. And a little while ago, we, you know, Durban is the land of milk and curry. You all know that. And so we, we, we decided we were going to have a Bollywood night. And listen, when you do a Bollywood night in Durban, it's like, it's like Jesus coming to town almost. You know, everyone's there. Whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus, that's my motto. You ready for the Word? Great. Put your hand on your heart. Father, we love you. Our hearts are open. Would you speak through the word? Thank you that you love us so much. Lord, we know your desire is to make us more like Jesus. Today, we choose to lean in and be responsive so that we can receive all you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everyone in the 10 o'clock service said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, we're going to get straight into it this morning. And as I begin, I want to mention an event that took place in China in 2010 that has become known as the China National Highway 110 traffic jam. And this was a recurring traffic jam that began to form on the 14th of August. And what made it so significant was that it slowed down thousands of vehicles for more than 100 kilometers. This traffic jam lasted not two days, but two weeks. See, one of the issues they have in China because of the large population is that some of their highways have 50 lanes. And so if you're in the left lane and you realize that your turnoff is on the right-hand side, I don't know if you know you've got a bit of a problem there. 
And many drivers were only able to move their vehicles one kilometer per day. Some drivers said later they were stuck in traffic for five days. You thought you had it bad coming to church this morning. It's considered to be the longest traffic jam in history. You know, the reason I share that with you is because I think it represents the lives of many people. We're on our way somewhere. We're going towards a destination, and then we end up getting stuck. And if you've ever been stuck in, in traffic, you will know there's a few things. Firstly, you can't move forward. Secondly, there's very little, if any, progress. And then thirdly, we end up becoming frustrated. We become discouraged. Sometimes we can become desperate. And people in traffic jams end up behaving irrationally. You know, people begin to use sign language and fingers to communicate with, with other drivers on the road there. And we end up losing sight of why we started out in the first place and where it was that we were going. You know, I wonder perhaps today if there's some of you who've maybe, maybe got stuck in life. Maybe you've been going places, but then you've, you've stopped moving forward. Maybe your marriage has got stuck. You know, when you first got married, you would roll over in the morning and look at your spouse and go, oh, it's you. <laughs> now you roll over and you go, it's still you. You know, <laughs> you got stuck. Maybe in your job, you've got stuck. There's, there's just no opportunity to advance. It's, it's like the lid has been put on your life there. Maybe you've got stuck in a black hole of discouragement and depression. And everything seems like it's spiraling out of control and you don't know how you're going to move forward. Let me just encourage you, you're in the right place today if that's you, because God's Word has the answer for every problem we face in life. Mark chapter 4 verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What stories should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes, notice it is, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. I think the it is speaks of where we currently are in life. The it becomes speaks of our potential, speaks of what we could become and where we could end up. You know, the truth is that all of us are on a journey through life. And, you know, some of us have been on the journey for longer than others. But wherever you are today in life, God's intention is not that you would stay where you are. You and I have to keep moving forward into all that the Lord has prepared for us. At Job chapter 17 verse 9, he says, the righteous, everyone say the righteous. He says, the righteous keep moving forward. Now we know as believers that we are made right or we are righteous because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We have right standing with God. And what the Bible is saying here is that the righteous, the most natural thing for a righteous person to do is to keep moving forward. It's not a suggestion that God gives us. It's not something he's hinting at. The righteous, it simply says, keep moving forward. And those with clean hands, in other words, those with pure hearts, those with right motives, those who live morally right, become stronger and stronger. I've titled today's message simply, Keep Moving Forward. Keep moving forward. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who once said, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep 
moving forward. You know, I think there's a number of reasons why we often don't move forward. Uh, sometimes, as I alluded to a few moments ago, it's sometimes just bad theology. When you believe the wrong stuff, it'll keep you stuck. Sometimes it might be wrong thinking. Whenever there is bad thinking, it'll cause you to get stuck. If you have a bad attitude through life, that will cause you to get stuck. Sometimes it could be past hurts, past disappointments. Uh, it might be that you failed in an area and now you are reluctant to have another go. You'd rather stay stuck. Sometimes past successes can cause you to get stuck. Because you think, well, I've been successful, I've made it, I'm the man, I'm the big cheese. And you begin to settle down, not realizing that that success is holding you back from everything else that God has for your future. Sometimes we just lose focus. Sometimes we get tired and weary. There are many different reasons why we get stuck. But I love what Abraham Lincoln once said. He said, I walk slowly, but I never walk backward. How many of you have heard the term backsliding? You know, when you speak about that brother in church over there who, you know, he once was in church, but now he's not in church so much anymore. And I've seen him hanging around Presley's and all those other places. And yeah, no, no, no. He, I think he's backsliding. We would use that term to say that he's, he, he's basically falling away. But you know what I've realized when it comes to our faith? The only thing it requires for us to backslide is for us to stop moving forward. You think about life. Life is not downhill. Life is not this easy, plain sailing. Life is hard. How many of you would agree life is hard? Life is incredibly tough. Life is like an upward journey. And when you are going upward, you have to keep moving forward. The moment you stop moving forward, guess what happens? You begin to, you begin to backslide. You begin to move backwards. How many of you have ever run the Comrades Marathon? One hand. Two hands. There was one in, in Edenvale, and there were none in the service this morning. How many of you have ever thought about running the comrades? <laughs> Most I'm not even going to think about that. But you know the comrades, it's 90 kilometers. It happens once a year between Durban and Peter Maritzburg. And a couple of years ago, a guy in our church told us that he was on our worship team. He still is. And he was telling us, now he's going to run the comrades marathon. And when he told us that, we, we thought, you have to be joking. Now, there's a number of reasons why we thought that. Firstly, he had never run before in his life. <laughs> Secondly, he only decided six months before the Comrades Marathon that he was going to start running and start training. Thirdly, he was quite overweight at the time. And fourthly, he had a number of health issues, serious ones as well. And so we thought, you know, you kind of humor the guy. Hey, that's great. We'll pray for you. And, but we were like taking bets on the side thinking, there's no way this guy's going to make it. And we were thinking, we're going to have to do a funeral next week because he's going to die trying to do this thing. But anyway, you know, we thought, okay, now go for it. Anyway, so he, he, he turns out that he runs the Comrades Marathon and he finishes it. He finishes this thing. He made it before the cutoff time, only just, but he made it. And he's since run two other Comrades Marathons after that. And I remember after that first one, you know, we were speaking to him and he was telling us all about it and how he made it. And, you know, we thought, well, maybe someone had dropped him halfway and he only started running then. But, you know, but it turns out he was legit. He ran the whole thing. And what he alluded to was this. He said, I just kept moving forward. There were times when I wanted to sit down. There were times when I wanted to give up. I just 
kept moving forward. You see, when you run something of that distance, the moment you stop, your muscles begin to tighten up. Your body begins to cramp up. And the longer you stay stationary for, the more likely it is that you won't be able to get up again and keep moving forward. He said there were times when I thought I was going to die. There were times when I couldn't run, but I just kept shuffling forward. And eventually I started picking up momentum again. I kept moving forward. Let me give you a few thoughts today to encourage you. You all okay? The first thought is this. If we're going to keep moving forward, don't get weighed down by sin. Don't get weighed down by sin. How many of you believe Jesus died for our sin? How many of you believe Jesus took the punishment for our sin? Absolutely. But here's the thing. If you and I entertain sin, in other words, having been made right with God, if we now still go get involved in things that we know are wrong, that we know contradicts the word, we entertain sin. And whenever you entertain sin, it will always be like a weight around your body. That's why the Bible encourages us in Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says, let us, not God, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You see, when you entertain sin, when you're involved in things that you know you shouldn't be as a Christian, it does two things. Firstly, it weighs you down. And secondly, as the word says, it trips us up. Both of those things will prevent you from moving forward. I read about a three-year-old British boy. His name is Christopher Eyre, and he got stuck in an arcade machine. Uh, you know, one of those arcades with a big claw that kind of moves across, and then you grabs the toy and pulls it up. And anyway, he was at a, on holiday with his parents at a seaside resort. It was time to go home, but he decided, no, he needs that toy inside that machine. And so when his mom wasn't looking, he snuck away, managed to climb on top of the machine, found a hole at the top, got down into the machine, got the toy that he wanted, but then realized he couldn't get back out again. Took them 30 minutes to break the machine open so that they could get him out. See, here's the thing. Whenever you let your desires override your convictions, you will end up getting stuck in a place that God never intended for you to get stuck in. And when you get stuck in a place like that, it is always easier to get in than it is to get out of that place. How many of you would agree with that? Amen? You know, think about, think about relationships. Sometimes people can get so desperate for relationship. Oh, if only I could change my Facebook status. Does it have to still say single? I so desperately want to be in a relationship. It's easy to get into a relationship. You just need really a pulse and a personality and you can get into a relationship. Come on. Girls, all you have to do is wear almost nothing. Just, you know, flap things about and do whatever you need to do. And you can get into a relationship easily. You know, guys, you just got to have a bit of the, you know, that smooth talking. And yeah, you can be in a relationship. But you find once you're in, now I can't get out. Because now there's baggage. Now there's issues here. Think about people who get involved in gangs. It's easy to get in. But you don't get out so easily. People who get involved in dodgy business deals, it's easy to get in. Just a quick bit of cash under the table, but now that I'm in, I can't get out. People who get addicted to substances, easy to get in. But now that I'm in, I don't get out so easy. See, when our desires override our convictions, we will end up getting stuck in life. 
Don't get weighed down by sin. The second thing, refuse to settle for comfort. This might surprise you. The number one drug of choice for Christians is comfort. We get saved, we give our lives to Jesus, and we spend the rest of our time trying to get as comfortable as possible. And very often as Christians, we pride ourselves on the fact that we're not like all those people out in the world. Oh, we're not like those heathens, all those Gentiles out there. No, no. We don't smoke weed, pastor. No, we don't do that. Even though it's legal in our country now, if you can do it, but... We don't, we don't snort cocaine before the 10 o'clock service, you know. We can come and have a full experience of the Word of God. No, we don't go gambling on Empress, Empress Casino on Saturday evenings. No, no, not for us. Yeah, we don't watch pornography and uh, we don't do alcohol. No, no, we're not like those people. The number one drug of choice for Christians is comfort. Think about it. We come to church on a Sunday to the service that is most comfortable for us. We try to find a parking that is as close to the front as possible so we don't have to walk too far. Then we come into the auditorium and we know where our favorite, most comfortable seat is. And let not any usher get in our way and cause us to go that side when we fully intended to sit over here. I'll put my praise Jesus face on, but afterwards I'm going to show you the love of the Lord. <laughs> We're happy to give, but as long as you don't ask for too much. We're happy to serve a little, but as long as it's comfortable, as long as it fits my personal comfort routine, that's what we do. You know, this might surprise you, but the greatest threat to your life as a believer is not the devil. I know some of you think the devil is on your case. When you wake up in the morning, he's sitting on the edge of your bed waiting for you to wake up so that he can harass you for another day. He's not. Does he hate you? Of course he hates you. Does he want the worst for you? Of course he does. But he's actually got other things that he's involved in. He's got bigger fish to fry than harassing you 24 hours a day. He's not the greatest threat to your future. Your spouse is not the greatest threat to your future. I know some of you think, Lord, if you could just take my husband home to glory today, Lord, just take him, Lord. Let that chariot of fire come for him, Lord. Jesus' name. It was one Sunday morning in a 10 o'clock service recently that the devil came to Boxburg. And he appeared before the church. It wasn't this church. It was that other one down the road there. The devil appeared in a puff of smoke. And all the congregation started freaking out. Everyone bolted for the door. Within a minute and a half, the place was cleared out. Except for one old man that was sitting in the front here. He wasn't flinching. He was not faced. The devil walked up to him and he said, aren't you going to run away like everyone else? The man said, nah. He said, you know who I am? The man said, yep. The devil said to him, well, aren't you scared of me? The man said, no. Man said to him, listen, I've been married to your sister for 48 years already. Some of you thinking, finally, you're preaching my language, pastor. Finally. Your spouse is not the greatest threat to your future. 
this country or whatever happens or doesn't happen in the elections is no threat to your future. God holds this nation in the palm of his hands. He's got the future secured already. Amen. Whatever happens to the rand and the dollar, well, it's going to happen. But that is not a threat to your future. The greatest threat to your future is that you become comfortable in your faith. Proverbs 6 verse 10 says, a nap here, a nap there. A day off here, a day off there. Sit back. Take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Justice. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. You see, even worse than financial or physical poverty, spiritual poverty. When you get to that place in your life where there's no, no sense of God's presence, there's no peace, there's no joy, you have no hope for the future, there's no faith, there's no expectation, you are spiritually dry. And when you're in a place like that, you will always end up getting stuck. That's why you have to make a decision. Lord, I will not settle for comfort. I'm going to keep moving forward in Jesus' name. John F. Kennedy once said, there are risks and costs to a program of action, but they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. Let me give you another one. If we're going to keep moving forward, we have to keep growing. We must keep growing. Some of you might have heard of a guy called Pablo Castles. He's regarded by many as the greatest ever cello player to have lived. And at the age of 95, he was interviewed one day, and he was asked by the interviewer, you're 95 years old, you're the greatest cello player who's ever lived, why do you still practice six hours a day? And his response was simply, because I'm still growing and making progress. You and I are never too old to keep growing. You might have be getting to the, you know, the latter years of your life today, and you think, oh, I'm just waiting for Jesus, waiting for Jesus to take me home. Well, you're going to waste a whole lot of your life. If Jesus were going to take you home, you would have done it already. Think about that. If he had nothing more for you to do, he'd take you home. In fact, he'd take you now, right now, in the service. In fact, let's just give a moment. See if, <laughs> see if Jesus needs to take anyone home right now. Great, I think most of us are still, yeah, that's a good sign. If he hasn't taken you home yet, he's got more for you. But in order for you to fulfill that more, we have to say, Lord, I'm still growing. I might be old, I might feel like the best of my years are gone, but you've clearly got more for me. I'm going to choose to keep growing. My five-year-old daughter, Abigail, she's a real character. She's so full of life and full of confidence and and, uh, you know, having a girl as our fourth child has completely changed the dynamics in the household. And, you know, she, she, she's such a girl. Like, she twirls around the house. You know, normal people walk, but she twirls and, and she sings. And, and it absolutely freaks her brothers out. They say, Dad, make it stop. Make it stop. I'm like, I can't. That's what they do. Girls are different. They twirl. And... But she's very sensitive as well. So if you, if you raise your voice to her, she, she starts, her bottom lip starts quivering and, and she starts crying. And, and let one of her brothers just touch her. They touch on the arm. She's like, Wah! my arm's falling off. I'm dying. No, my girl, they touched your arm. Wah! So clearly, you know, she, she needs Jesus and we, 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 we're working through that. 
But when she, when she doesn't cope well with pain, when she experiences pain, she, she starts travailing big time. And it, if it continues, she normally always ends up vomiting. That, that's her process. I cry excessively, bleh, I vomit, and then it's finished. Anyway, she's recently been experiencing growing pains. How many of you ever had growing pains? You know those pains in your legs and your shins where it feels like it's on fire? And I think she's being sincere about it. I don't think she's just making it up, but I, th- I think she's being genuine. And anyway, a little while ago, driving in the car, everything was wonderful. Nice conversation, happy, joyful. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the spirit of growing pains came upon her. (laughs) My leg's on fire. I'm going to die. It only took about 30 seconds. And then it was finished. She threw up. But not just a regular vomit. A projectile. One of those that covered all the windows, covered all the people in the car, everywhere. It was everywhere. And she felt much better afterwards. Now, I'm very grateful for my wife that after having had four children, I've recognized that she clearly has the spiritual gift of cleaning up children's vomit. And, you know, being the good, loving husband and man of God that I am, I'm happy to just release my wife into, into operating in the, in the area of her spiritual gifting. I'm not going to get in the way. So I released her. You say, what's the point? The point is this. Growth is painful. Growth is messy. And sometimes growth is downright ugly. But unless you and I are committed to growth in our personal lives, we will always end up getting stuck in a place. We have to keep keep growing our faith. We have to keep stretching ourselves. We have to keep giving more and serving more and making ourselves available to be used by God. If you keep growing, you will keep moving forward in Jesus' name. Many of you would be familiar with the uh, story of the, the passage in 1 Chronicles that speaks of Jabez. We know the prayer of Jabez, but I love what it says in 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. It says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Many of us are good at praying the bless me prayer. Oh, bless me, Lord. When someone's up on the platform and they're they're praying for blessing, it's like, you start shaking, ah, bless me, ah. Hallelujah, bless me. Now, does God want to bless you? Of course he wants to bless you. But he wants to grow you first. Jabez understood, Lord, that you would bless me and grow me. Because what I've realized is that blessing most often comes out of a commitment to keep growing ourselves spiritually. If you keep growing, blessing is the byproduct as a result of that. You don't even have to pray for it. It just comes into your life because you are always moving forward. But if you are not growing, why should God bless you? Because if you are not growing, it means you don't have the capacity. You won't have the wisdom to know how to use that blessing right. You won't steward it correctly. God says, I'll give your blessing to someone else. But if you keep growing, you keep having more capacity. God can keep adding more to your life in every single season. 
But it takes a commitment to keep growing. William James, the famous psychologist, once said, the minute a man ceases to grow, no matter what his years, that minute he begins to be old. Let me give you one more. Is this helping you today? Let me give you one more. If we're going to keep moving forward, sometimes we have to simply refuse to give up. You've got to simply sometimes say, I'm not giving up. You know, the thing about giving up, when you give up, it's done. When you give up, God can't do anything for you because he works in our actions. If you've given up, well, nobody can help you. And perhaps you've come here today wanting to give up on something in life. Maybe you've got to the place where you say, my marriage is finished, I'm done. My job, yeah, it's done. The Bible, yeah, I'm done. You know, I read it, but I just can't understand. My faith, this church, yeah, you know, I think I'm done. The moment you are done, God is done. The moment you give up, you give him nothing to work with. You know, towards the end of last year, my son Daniel one of the twins, he's, he's, I mean, he's a great guy. He's, he's not a big guy, but he's probably got the biggest heart I've ever seen in a kid. He's got the heart of a lion. His rugby coach said to him, if I had 15 players with your heart, we'd win everything. He's a, he loves sport. He's a good sportsman. But last year, he was playing cricket. And at the end of the year, last year, he just, he just couldn't make any runs. He had a new bat. He was part of the team. And, and he batted five times in the season. He got three ducks. That's nothing. And he got two ones. Two runs and five innings. And he just came to me. He said, Dad, he said, I'm done. So I'm giving up cricket. He said, I just don't feel like I'm contributing. I've, I've, I've got no confidence. The other kids are starting to wonder whether I should be in the team and whether I'm holding the team back. He said, Dad, I said, I'm finished. And for me, it was one of those moments where I had a decision to make. In fact, he had to make the decision, but I had to encourage him now. And so I sat him down and I had one of those father-son talks. And I said to him, my boy, the reason this is such a significant moment for you is because when you go through life giving up on one thing, it tends to ripple over in other areas. So if I give up on that, well, I'll give up on that as well. And then when that gets hard, I'm going to give up on that too. And when I don't like that, I'm going to give up on that as well. Giving up is contagious. But I said, if you refuse to give up in this area, when that gets hard, I'll refuse to give up. When that becomes impossible, I'll keep trusting God. I'm not going to give up. And you begin to build patterns in your life. I said, my boy, if you really want to give up, you can give up. But know that it's done then. I said, I want to encourage you as your father. Just keep going. Just have another go. Just try again. Just keep giving your best. Refuse to give up. He kind of had that <sighs> defeated look. He said, I knew he was reluctant, but he, he kind of reluctantly said, okay, Dad, I'll have another go. He played again the next term. He was the top run scorer in his team. You see, there is always breakthrough on the other side of a refusal to give up. And it's sometimes, it's sometimes when you most want to give up, that you need to say, I will not give up. I may not be taking big leaps. I may not be running. But if it means I have to crawl along on the ground, I will crawl. If it means I have to shuffle along, I will shuffle. But I refuse to give up.
Because when you refuse to give up, God refuses to give up. If you keep saying, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I want to give up, but I, I'm not going, I choose not to. God says, you've given me something to work with. And as long as you refuse to give up, we can keep moving forward together in Jesus' name. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God's desire for your life is that you would keep moving forward. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're currently navigating, He says, my desire for you is to keep moving forward. But at the root of being able to move forward in anything in life, there first has to be surrendered to God. The reality is this, until you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you will never ever be able to move forward in life. You will always be stuck. Because on the other side of a surrender to Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. And when God forgives your sin, He breaks that chain that holds you back. And until you make a decision to follow Him, you are always bound by that. You might make some money in life. You might be successful to a degree. You might have a great reputation, but you will always be stuck. The moment you surrender to the Lord, He breaks those chains. You begin to move forward into God's purpose and His plan for your life. You begin to be used by God. Your life begins to make a difference. If you're here today and you've never made that decision to open your heart to Jesus, you can do so in a few minutes. There is forgiveness available for you today. Perhaps you're here and at some point you have made some decision to follow the Lord, but like so many, perhaps having made that decision, you've then made poor decisions after that and and you've got stuck. You didn't mean to get stuck. It wasn't your plan, but you, you got stuck. And as a result today, you're here and you, you're feeling far from God. You're feeling disconnected from Him. You just sense there's no presence of God in your life. You have little joy, little peace. If I had to ask you, if you died today, are you certain you'd go to heaven? You say, well, I'm not sure. I hope so. Not a good place to be. Would you make a decision to recommit yourself to God today? Say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I want to keep moving forward. Know that God never turns anyone away who comes with a sincere, repentant heart. I'm not going to embarrass anyone this morning. I'm not going to call you forward or make you stand up or say anything out on your own. But just where you see that every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you say, yes, that's me. I need to give my heart to Jesus for the first time and know the forgiveness of my sins. Or I need to recommit and come back to God today so that I can keep moving forward. On the count of three, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Once you've raised it, I'll see it, acknowledge it, then you can put it back down. And I'm going to include you in a prayer. On the count of three, one, two, three. Just begin to lift those hands this morning. Nice and I. Thank you, 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 thank you. God bless. Wonderful. Thank you. I've seen your hand. You can put it down. Is there anyone else that I just sense there's maybe a couple more people? Friend, don't stay stuck today. You need to keep moving forward. But you need to choose Jesus first. Thank you. God bless. Is there anyone else before I pray? Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. 
That's great. Church, I want us to all pray together this morning, but especially those who've raised their hand. Would you pray with me, Father God? Thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you died for my sin. Today I confess you as Lord, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. I belong to you now because I surrendered to you in full. Thank you that I have a hope and a future and a purpose. I commit to you today in Jesus' name. And all of Thrive Church said, can we just thank the Lord for the many who responded to the Lord today. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.